Hello and welcome to the East London Sport Podcast. Whether you're here to learn how to make it as an elite sports person, get advice from those in the industry, or are just a fan of sport generally, then you've come to the right place. Each week, we're joined by inspirational guests who share their tips, stories, and real life experiences from their own unique journey to achieving sporting success. We've got a great show for you this week. So whether you're in the gym, walking the dog, commuting somewhere, or just chilling at home, it's time to get ready. We're about to begin. My name is Freddie Carty as ever, and we've got another Olympic special to give you guys today, Uh, but it's going to be one with a different hook. We have an aspiring Olympian with us today. We have Chris, who's a very talented uh, canoe slalomer. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. So Chris has actually come off uh, the back of competing internationally in his sport, um, and I feel like we may as well, t- to get started, um, I heard that the whole reason, you know, you've you've developed into this international sporting career, this kind of Olympic dream, essentially got into canoe slalom because you wanted to compete against your brother. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you could say I was pretty competitive from a young age um, and having a brother six years older than me sort of started the, uh, or fueled the fire, I guess, so to speak. Um, and it would have happened when I was around nine, ten years old, um, he sort of stumbled into canoeing through scouts. My mum and dad were very involved with scouts and started canoeing through there. Um, and then, because he took it up, I decided I wanted to take it up as what happened with most sports along the way. Um, a bit of story just before I actually went to start canoeing, um, I broke my arm. So couldn't go canoeing for until the next summer, which you can imagine as a nine-year-old kid was pretty devastating. And I got pretty annoyed at my parents for telling me I had to wait another eight months before I could go um but yeah then eventually he was still probably fortunately he was still involved eight months down the line um so I still wanted to do it and still wanted to take him on ever since it's just gone gone right for me I've been fortunate to have loads of opportunities yeah so like how, how does that snow snowball arise I mean admittedly I never did scouts when I was younger but I, f- I feel like my idea of scouts is like playing games in a hut like I feel like canoeing is you know is quite out there was that was that a regular thing or was that like a trip, a one-off, which you, you kind of just leapt from? Um, it probably, it wasn't a regular thing, but I'd say they tried to do it once on a six-month basis. We're fortunate that actually um, the, the scout group we were at were quite well connected with a couple of sort of um, groups that had uh, canoe instructors, um, mm-hmm. all that be it on flat water. But um, that also wasn't that far away from where I lived. So there's a lake about... 10 minutes away from where I lived and that's where I first started actually paddling um not even knowing what canoe slalom was at that point um and again being fortunate enough that realizing 20 minutes down the road there was a canoe slalom club that's probably the best club in Britain um it's not big water but the facilities they have are really good for training foundations and I knew none of this before getting into it and didn't even know when I was getting into it but looking back all these sort of situations aligned really nicely for me to just give me access to to my potential at that time in that sport. Mm. And so at at what point did it jump from you know this is something fun uh, you know this is something I'm doing with my brother or against him so to speak at at what point did it uh, get, get to the idea where it's like you know what I could actually not only compete uh but but internationally uh, and then potentially for example in the olympics too 
so I think by about the age of 12 to 13, my brother had probably got bored. So he would have been sort of 17, 18. So the world was a bit more interesting elsewhere at that point for him. Um, but I still carried on at that point. Still not really. Well, I'd, I'd compete, but I was just competing for fun. Um and sort of carried on from there. And then it would have been around 14, 15 age, um, which is when you start getting in line for the junior team. Uh, so the age of 15 to 18, basically, is when you can get selected for the junior team. Um, most commonly people do it in their sort of when they're 17, 18. Um, but I guess at 15, I, I went for selection, not really thinking I had a chance. But then when I the year I turned 16 I sort of went into that junior selection knowing I had a chance um, and I made the team that year and it's probably around that sort of time um, I was included on what they called the uh, national talent squad which was sort of the um, just a talent squad for the junior age group basically and yeah that's when I started to take the commitment to want to take this more full-time um, well maybe not full-time but take it on a bit more see what I could actually do with it uh, realize I was actually all right at it and see where I can go from there. So, again, canoe, slalom, you know, it's, it seems like, like you mentioned facilities needed, you, you, me you mentioned time. Um, a day in the life of you right now, what is involved? Because I feel like there's one thing, you know, if, if I was to be sitting here with, say, a runner, you know, they'd tell us, oh, you know, you know, may practice around a track, you know, may, may do a bit of legs in the gym. Uh, how does it work for you? Because I feel like there's much more involved in training for you than many other athletes. Yeah, so I guess most people probably don't know what canoe slalom is to start with. So I'll just give a brief explanation mm -hmm. of that. Um, so canoe slalom basically in its simplest form is down 250 metres worth of white water um, that varies from 18 to 25 gates. Um, six of them will be upstreams, so you'll have to come back up on yourself and go back down, and the rest will be downstreams. Um, and one of the unique things about the sport is you can train on the water um, all the way up until the race and the competition, but actually at the competition, you don't know what course is going to be set, and you don't get a chance to practice that course. Um, so it's you almost go into the race blind. You can look at it from the side, but you can't actually... Um, you can't paddle on it until your race runs, mm -hmm. which probably gives a bit of a different challenge compared to other sports where you can actually do the thing you're going to do in the environment you're going to do it um, over and over again before actually competing at that race. Uh, so I think that probably makes our training slightly different, um, but a usual day in the life, depending what time of year it is, um, but especially during sort of heavier training, it will be wake up, um, go down to the course, do some sort of either tech session or full runs which is where you just sort of try and simulate a race mm -hmm. um or the tech session would be where we break the course into shorter sections and just try and um execute them short sections as it's less fatiguing um so when you're doing it day in day out it means you can get more technical um training in um without tiring yourself out as much um, and then it'll be get off video review with the coach from that session sort of assess the areas we're learning um, what we're we looking at in the session are we looking at being able to run the belt off the holes we're we looking at the upstreams are we looking at the downstreams um, are we looking at consistency are we trying to explore different ways of doing things and just sort of reviewing the session based upon them goals um, and then it'll be come back to the flat fortunately enough I only live five minutes away from the course so we come back to the flat eat some lunch, try and chill out for half an hour before going back down. Um, and then it'd be a gym session uh, as power is quite a key part of the sport, um, especially in the kayak class. Um, 
So it'll be go do a gym session and then get get off, come back, chill out again, and then sort of repeat the same the next day, six days a week. Blimey. And so so you mentioned you've you mentioned two things. Mentioned uh food. Um is there a specific diet for you to follow? Like obviously I'll I'll be aware, Natalie, like you, you know, you won't be guzzling junk food, but is is there anything specific for your sport or anything um you know, to boost certain areas of yourself that you're instructed to eat? So I guess it depends, again, what, what are you in your in-season or your off-season? Um, so off-season, it's pretty, pretty lax. Uh, I'm fortunate that I don't, I don't easily put on weight. I struggle to put on weight. Uh, so actually, during the off-season, when you're training twice a day, it is pretty much chow down on most things, as long as you get in a good variety and um, the odd bit of cake or the odd pizza doesn't go amiss to actually just get in the food. Yeah. Um, which is always quite important, especially when you're training hard. Um, but then coming close to racing, it's because it is a power to weight based sport. Um, the lighter you are on your boat and the stronger you are on your boat, the further you can move the belt off every stroke. Um, there's definitely an element of trying to find that balance. Um, I think, I mean, I've been doing this now for seven years, eight years, and still you just, it's hard to find the happy median. Um, it's certainly a balance. You can certainly make yourself too light and feel really weak from it but obviously you don't want to feel heavy and sluggish as well um saying it's just each time i do it it's just a learning process um because each time i do it i'm going to be a different person going into it whether that's a bit more muscle a bit stronger a bit more mature or everything else that goes with it um but yeah definitely it's just just watching as you come into competition to just make sure you're um sort of got that balance right and so and so you mentioned uh 30 minutes of chill time how on earth do you chill in 30 minutes oh i got i don't know i've got quite i'd say i'm quite good at switching off um mm. or at least taking myself away from sport so whether that's i just sit and do uni work for 30 minutes whether that's sit and mong out and watch 30 minute sitcom episodes um <laughs> but it's yeah i think it's just a bit of the nature of what we do it's just the ability to switch off in some peculiar mm. places as well when you're on the road and you're could be anywhere in the world actually being able to switch off for half an hour even in hotel rooms i think quite a skill but i definitely think it's helped me a lot through this period yeah i mean obviously we've you know just coming out of lockdown i feel like a, a lot of people uh will be in a position which you've been in fairly regularly for, you know for, for almost a year uh so i'm surprised um that you know you, you may be may have been ahead of the game on, on, in kind of that sense but but you also mentioned the six day a week training, you know, waking up, going to the course, come back 30 minutes, going to the course again. Um, sounds like a few sacrifices come with this. Is, is there anything, you know, that, that you're aware that, you know, I don't know, for example, me, you know, stuff that you think I'll be doing, which given your career, um, you perhaps don't have the same time to do. Yeah. I mean, I think personally, I just, I love the challenge. Um, that's part of what what drives me to it but certainly i've when i look back there's i've missed most but well, i've never had a birthday really at home um oh. i've missed parents birthdays brothers birthdays girlfriends birthdays um don't don't go on the nights outs that maybe you would do as a normal 20 well yeah. 20 to 25 year old sort of spread and yeah don't probably draw oh, i don't really drink um during during the season just just for that reason because i know i'm gonna feel crap the next day and if you feel crap the next day that's that's sort of a day wasted and I don't want to get a day wasted because I want to be able to fit, be fit to perform and things like that um but as I say I've never really 
thought of them as a sacrifice. Um, yeah. I, I sort of tell myself I, I choose to do this. Um, I'm certainly not forced. And I think that's always important to remember. Um, no matter what, what you do is actually, I've always remind myself, well, I'm choosing to do this. So it's not a sacrifice if you choose to do something. So if I wanted to be Chris Bowers for a day, what soft drink am I drinking? Well, I, I, it's plain and simple. Some filtered water just does the job. Filtered water? I was expecting yeah. something more jazzy than that. No, just plain and simple. Even though, well, it has to be filtered because London water is just <laughs> not very nice. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to fair, what one of my mates is from up north and he says the exact same. But I feel like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just water, isn't it? Like... No, it tastes different. It all tastes. It all tastes itself. You've got to. You got to know your waters. And so, uh, funny enough, like mentioning like London water, um, was was your relocation from home to London? Um, again, you you probably won't say sacrifice because it obviously it comes with a career. It allows you to train better. But but do you think that that's something you would have done if you weren't involved in canoe slalom? Yeah, I mean, it was a big move at 17, going on 18, to just decide to leave, leave sticks and go, go down to London, which yeah. is two and a half hours away from where, well, two and a half, three hours from where I live. Um, I mean, I'm pretty fortunate. My parents are super supportive about it all. Um, but yeah, it certainly takes its toll on you, um, especially when you first come down. You used to, your parents doing quite a lot of your stuff for you. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, you've got to fend for yourself. But no, I, I certainly wouldn't change it um but yeah that, that's probably one of the biggest things I've had to do um and probably did it unknowingly because it wasn't really a it was just I had my mindset on that's what I was going to do and that was that at the time but looking back it's like oh no it was actually quite a big move um considering I didn't go to a normal uni setup I sort of just moved in to my well I moved in with someone else but just moved in and that was it we weren't doing uni it was just moving in to train and that mm -hmm. was that um and that's what I did unfortunately it's paid off for me was was there anything where were there any like routines or, or anything else you had to kind of make that adjustment easier to to moving to a new place I'm presuming not knowing many people um like like how how did you kind of set yourself on your way so I think that was probably one of the best bits about moving is actually there, there were people I knew I was moving to a place okay. I knew it wasn't a completely new environment because I had been down here for training camps before so I knew quite a lot of the team, um, although they were all seniors and I was by far quite a bit younger. There was me and um, someone else who were the same age and we moved down and all the seniors sort of knew of me and would talk to me and stuff. And they were really inviting, which I think certainly helped. And fitting in with the routine, again, I was really fortunate prior to moving in. I'd been on the road for two months, so I'd almost forgot what routine was more my normal routine was at that point which was quite nice because it almost just allowed me to reset and just start off with my new routine for me off um and that certainly helped um my adjustment there I think had that not been the case it would have been a bit harder to adjust to a new routine but I think ultimately again it was a choice I sort of made um so I think there were struggles with the sessions are at these times whereas previously I could access the course whenever I want back at home. Yeah. So it being at set times and um, sort of expectation to warm up in the gym. I'd never done that before because I'd never had access to a facility like that before um, and doing debrief with your coach. So suddenly I went from when I was younger, my sessions would take an hour to an hour and a half to the, these sessions can take up to sort of 
three hours by the time you've warmed yeah. up, well, gone to the gym to warm up, actually then paddling on the water, getting off the water, doing your video review and then getting home. It's like suddenly everything becomes longer, mm. um, which was certainly a change that I hadn't experienced before. So getting used to that and not feeling, I like to feel like I'm always doing something useful with my time. And sometimes you don't feel like you're doing useful with your time. So actually adjusting to that was quite hard to start with, but sort of just persevered with it and tried to make it work the best I could for me and my coach at the time. So you mentioned opportunities in London. So obviously um, you're signed up uh, with the University's London, uh, pursuing this dual career, studying on the side, from what I understand, part-time as well to give you uh, the most amount of time to go to your training. How, how has that helped? Like, do, do you feel that um, the benefits of being on the high-performance programme have, have helped elevate you? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, well, very fortunate that UEL being so sort of accommodative with my, my studies, studying essentially uh it's about an hour away from the campus if not a bit more sometimes depending on what trains you get and actually they've given me the ability to sort of go part-time and sort of distance mm-hmm. learning which which was the norm last year for most people yeah, true. um but i've managed to make it the norm for a few more years um i'm really fortunate for that and then the high performance sort of program supporting me both financially and actually just making things easier like the ability to do that um and just almost found that just communication with them has been really key and actually everything I've communicated we've managed to sort out may not be exactly what we've wanted but we've managed to come up with a good sort of compromised sort of fit fit what's best for me and what's best for the uni Um, and I mean going into my last half of my last year I'm in a really good place to come out with a good degree um, and sort of can take that forwards then and almost don't feel like I've missed out on the opportunity to do a degree from it yeah. Um, which is sometimes I think the fear of people when they do sport is they're sort of scared because they don't want to just do sport and that's it whereas I feel like my degree has never actually interrupted my sporting career um, if, if anything it has elevated it by the opportunities it's given me um, and also the not distraction but the the other side of my life and more holistically speaking actually I've got something else as well as just an athlete mm-hmm because um, I think that can become quite difficult especially the older you get yeah no definitely and so we, we've kind of gone from from young young Chris in the scouts to kind of where you are now um obviously I'd I'd love for you to have lived a fairy tale to get to this point um but have, have there been any setbacks along the way and if there have um have you recovered from that how how, how have you kind of taken that in your stride yeah, I guess mostly I've been pretty fortunate so far in my career as an athlete is not having any sort of really bad injuries that have taken me out for a long period of time. Um, I'd say some of the biggest setbacks have come when I almost have least expected them. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I've had really good years and then got to the World Championships and just had an absolute shock of a race. Um, 2018 was a good example. I, I went out to the, the Worlds, had, had a really good season in the seniors um I went out to the senior worlds and just completely blew up in my semi-final um and sort of again say 2019 senior worlds I just the pressure of sort of all around that there was part of our olympic selection and it was the last race of it and I was in really good shape physically really good shape technically and actually had the ability to deliver a really good run but just completely blew up and just let nerves get the best of me sort of thing which I've never had really that much before apart from in them two instances um 
and they've been really good learning experiences to sort of carry forward. Um, definitely made me respect a bit more. It's not just how physically and technically good you are at something. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of the mental yeah. game that goes on. Then um, you've got to respect that and almost treat that in your training as part of your training. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it feels like you're compromising the other areas, you're not because you're still training in really good areas of your development. Um, and then I guess most recently is during lockdown, I then came back and had a bit of an elbow niggle that sort of had me since then. It's probably, yeah, to be fair to say it's been quite hard. Like I've pretty much been in daily pain now for sort of 12 months just because of the nature of sort of how it's gone, um, which has been an interesting 12 months uh, and certainly, certainly taught me a lot. I was definitely one of the athletes that wanted to do sort of more is better philosophy um and that's had to change because of this which has been quite difficult at times um and probably will continue to be quite difficult but is also i've just tried to see it as i do with anything is it's almost just a different challenge and how can you sort of embrace that challenge um and what can you best do with it um it it sucks and it's like there's nothing takes away from that but what what can you do to make it suck less and actually have a long-term goal to make it not suck and six months time and mm. I know it feels like a long time away but actually using that sort of perspective I think is really important and it's probably what's helped me through the smaller things or the bigger things that I've had in my career um, is not dwelling on it but just say taking learnings from it and accepting it's going to happen it's part of life um, but yeah what learning is going to take from it to take forward to the next time so it doesn't happen again or if it does happen again hopefully it won't happen for them reasons it may be something different that I didn't know about and then I can learn from that and again build for the next time okay so you you mentioned um obviously with with your injury not not being able to do as much in the last 12 months if we were to go on the flip side so we've we've spoken about professional Chris you know some people may have seen you compete um but then on a more casual side um just 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 simply kind of like personal life what 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 hobbies do you enjoy because I feel like when you know whenever we see athletes uh well sportsmen or women in general obviously we we see them in their profession and I feel like little is known about you know the the other half um so yeah what what, what do you enjoy doing when you're not doing canoe and for example like what idols do you have who who do you look up to yeah, so I guess probably one of the uh, things I did we've, we sort of discussed about prior to this was quite enjoyed going climbing prior to um, prior to COVID happening. Unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to do that in a long time. But I just find it's it's almost has has a similar challenge. Um, you see you see a problem and you've got to try and solve that problem. Um, it's just in this instance, it's within climbing and going up a wall instead of going down a white water course. Um, I'd also say I'm probably very much a foodie. I do quite enjoy going to different places and finding different foods and sort of, yeah, I think that experience is really important. Um, And I enjoy sort of, especially having that experience with other people, um, whether it be my family or whatever. Um, Then, yeah, I guess looking, looking up at idols, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, It's Chris, Chris Hoy. So some, someone, I guess, as you said earlier, is someone who's not, not in the sport of canoe slalom. and quite recently, I reread his autobiography, and it is it is interesting rereading that because you remember how much he is just a normal person. Mm-hmm. He felt like he 
he sort of he was just fortunate to have stumbled into all these things. Um, he agrees he worked hard for them, but actually he was just fortunate that the Valadrome was close by, that his parents could support him in the way they could. The fact that UK sport became around when it did, the fact that he had access to them opportunities. And it's just almost a, a series of quite fortunate events, but that's I, I sort of see that as life. Um, if you work hard towards something, it may not be the thing you want in the end, but you, you will get sort of rewarded in, in different ways, maybe not maybe the way you want, but in different ways to, to come to a goal. Um, and it may not be quite the goal you want at that specific time, but I'm sure when you look back on it, it will be. Um, and seeing that as a normal person, he's he, he's still in his book when he's been the best, well, the best British medalist at the Olympics. I don't know if he is anymore. I don't think he is anymore. Well, but personality of the year very, as well, I believe, wasn't he? Yeah, a very decorated sort of person. And he's like, well, I still feel like this normal person from Scotland where I grew up and nothing's changed. But actually, and nothing has changed within him. Um, he is the still still the same person, but people just perceive him to be something different because they want to. Um, and I think that's important. Just is reminding sort of. I'm, I'm quite fortunate. My brother keeps me pretty grounded and reminds me I am just a normal person. Um, I'm certainly nowhere near as decorated as Chris Hoy, um, and I'd, I'd like to think he's probably got someone that does the same, which is why he seems such a nice and down to earth guy. Um, I think it's important to have around you and sort of your team. To remind, to remind yourself of that. Um, so, so just quickly, as as a foodie, and kind of linking the foodie and the idols in. If you were on Come Dine with me, and you had to invite three people that you were going to cook for, and we're going to, we're going to cook for you. First of all, quickly, I want the meal, the main you're going to cook, and I want two people to join Chris Hoy with you. That's an on-the-spot question. Um, so I'd probably go something like... Oh, it'd have to be some Brazilian barbecue, actually. That's probably some of the best food I've had, Brazilian barbecue. Um, and who would join me? So definitely one would be Peter Kauser, who's probably one of the greats, greats of the sport in Canoe Salem. Um, oh... My other person would be, oh God, it's going to seem completely strange and it will make sense if you know I do an accounting and finance degree, which I don't know if that was mentioned, but someone like Warren Buffett, because okay. I, I find it really interesting is, I mean, if you're asking someone who sees things in long terms, it's not maybe the fact he does investing or anything like that, but his ability to just see time over this long span and understand that it's not just six months ago is nothing in the grand things grand scheme of things um years are what make a difference and whether that's plugging away doing what he does or whether that's plugging away in sport but i think that that's a really interesting sort of viewpoint to have yeah no that that's a really good parallel that's a really good example actually um and so we we're going to look to wrap up soon but i feel like you know the the aim from this whether that's um young athletes scholars or just the general public um, would be kind of learning from your experience and perhaps being inspired in some way. Um, so if you were to give advice to anyone who's at the start of their career, whether that's canoe slalom, could, could be football, could be heptathlon, um, what would you say to them if, if, if you could hand something over? 
some of the best pieces of advice I look back on and think about that people have told me, um, but I maybe didn't take them up initially when they, they sort of come out is sort of stay inquisitive, ask questions. There's no stupid question. Um, and almost alongside that is don't ask, don't get. If you don't ask for something, you definitely won't get it. If you ask for something, the worst they're going to say is no, but you were going to get that answer anyway if you didn't ask that question. Mm. So actually with things like UEL, I've asked these questions and they've given me the ability to be able to do my degree as I wanted to. Um, when I moved down to Lee Valley, I, I asked the right questions and they supported me and maybe not quite the way I wanted or could do, but they still tried to support me because I was asking them questions there for them. Um, and I, that's been so important and I, it's hard sometimes. And I think that's important to acknowledge, but I think it's really important if you can do it well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you'll, you'll stand yourself pretty good in life. Well, thank you very much uh, for your time today, Chris. Um, thank you very much to, again, everyone listening in. Uh, do follow our channels uh, to hear more about the podcast um, and about Chris, to be fair. I, I'm sure we'll do a little write-up about you two to go with. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on the East London Sport Podcast. Remember, if you like what you hear, please do subscribe and rate the show. And if you want to learn more about East London Sport or the University of East London, then please visit our website, www.uel.ac.uk slash sport. Until next time, look after yourself, keep pushing to achieve your goals, and we'll see you very soon for the next episode.